Hello. Today we're going to be continuing our series in Proverbs uh, called The Path, and we're going to be learning two very important things about what it means to be wise. Uh, and these two things are connected to each other. Firstly, we're going to learn that wise living should affect every single part of our existence. Uh, and secondly, uh, we're going to learn that wise living flows out of a heart that is devoted, utterly devoted, to God. Let's begin by reading Proverbs 3, uh, verses 1 to 12. So Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 12, uh, I'm going to be re reading from the ESV translation, uh, so don't worry if things don't match up exactly with the Bible you have, but it will appear on the screen as well. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favour and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. When I was at primary school, uh, I lived two separate but very but parallel lives um, that had no contact with each other. I lived one home, uh, one life at school, and I lived a completely different life at home. This was particularly seen in my jokes, in my sense of humour that I displayed in different settings. At home, I was a nice, sweet child that caused nobody any trouble. Uh, my room might have been a little bit messy, but overall I was angelic. I was a good kid and my family were blessed to have me. My humour was refined, it was delicate, it was filled with gentle wit and kind remarks. At school things were different. Uh, I did not tell the sorts of jokes that one would tell in front of their own mother. Uh, these jokes were unpalatable. I lived a dual life. At home I was innocent. At school I was a comedian. There was no overlap between them, and while that remained the case, there was no risk of danger. Uh, there was no risk that uh, the two lives could collide and cause me any issues. This of course was until my sister started her work experience. Sarah is a snitch. Sarah was a mole in my operation. My beloved sister was a traitor. She told my mother all the sorts of jokes that I had been telling. What followed was a humiliating conversation. Uh, my mother sat me down in the kitchen 
she told me that she knew the sorts of jokes that I've been telling. Oh, she did. And she let me know that it was in my best interests never to tell them again. I learned a very important lesson that day. Never trust my sister. On a more serious note, I learned that I couldn't get away with living these two separate lives. Eventually, they were going to come into contact with each other and the whole thing was going to come crashing down. I think subtly, this is how a lot of us actually do church. I don't think we intentionally live two lives in the same way that I did at school at home, but I do think that we have a Sunday version of ourselves and then we have a Monday to Saturday version. Uh, we have a way of, of living life on a Sunday that doesn't affect Monday to Saturday. They are kept separate, like two separate worlds. I don't mean that you are kind and loving on Sunday, but the rest of the week you guys out and live absolutely decadent lives of, of chaos and cruelty. I hope that's not the case. Um, what I do think is on Sunday, we tend to do a lot of stuff that we don't think has a lot to do with the rest of the week. On Sunday, we meditate our eternal future. We think about how we're going to spend forever in heaven with God and then in the new creation with him. We, we think about all the things we sing about, how wonderful God is, how he has provided for us. And we escape from our lives by engaging with the supreme, omniscient God of all creation. Monday, we do paperwork, we drink coffee. And that's it. Or maybe uh, we drop the kids off at the school and we come back and we have to look at all the mess they've left behind them and haven't cleared up. Or maybe we find ourselves in a panic because we didn't do the homework that we really should have done on Friday night or Saturday morning. There sometimes doesn't seem a lot connecting sublime Sundays with mundane Mondays. To be a Christian is wonderful. To know that our eternity is secure is amazing. But first, we have to pay off the mortgage. In our society, we have been told that faith is a personal matter. It doesn't have a lot to do with a 9 to 5. It is nice for us to believe, but we should keep it to ourselves. This is a lie. Wisdom should change our lives. Nothing should go untouched by the wondrous reality of our faith. When our hearts truly belong to the Lord, wisdom becomes truly embedded in the way we live our lives. The passage we have just read says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him. Notice how it uses the word all. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with some of your heart. In some of your ways acknowledge him. Uh, and this passage then begins to give us a whole bunch of examples of how our lives should be changed by this wisdom. It tells us that it should affect our character, that we should pursue steadfast love and faithfulness. It tells us that our faith should affect the way we understand the world. It should affect the way we think. Uh, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It tells us that our faith should affect our money. Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. So it's not just telling us to think nice things and wise thoughts. It wants us to put our money on the table. It wants us to use our money to honour God.
You see, that's just the beginning. Uh, Proverbs is not a book about debating abstract philosophy. Proverbs is a really, really practical book. It talks about all sorts of issues, um, child rearing, relationships, business practices, anger management. The Bible is not content to simply tell us what to do, uh, so what to believe. The Bible tells us so much more. The Bible is a handbook. It, it is a practical guide. It tells us what we need to know in order to truly live. See, wisdom is not just about somebody rambling, um, some ramblings from the pulpit. It's not just about 20 minutes on a Sunday morning where somebody tries to teach you something. Wisdom is not about things that you simply find in a philosophy textbook or in a theology textbook, as much as I love those stuff. Wisdom is something that is meant to spread out into all areas of our lives, shaping the finest details of who we are. So as the first point I want you to, to know, a true wisdom should change all of your life. It shouldn't be restricted to a Sunday. It should spread out and it should change your whole week. That's awesome. Uh, but unfortunately it leaves us with a wee question. Something that we need to explain. If wisdom changes our lives, where can we get this wisdom from? Now there might be many among you who have already come up with an answer to this. Uh, you might be thinking, ah, well actually that's quite simple. You see, Christians believe that wisdom comes from God, right? And, and God has told a lot of this wisdom to humans, and humans have written it down under God's guidance in the Bible. Uh, so if you want to become wise, you just got to read the Bible. All sorted. Uh, we can finish the sermon here and all go home in under 10 minutes. Now that's a great idea, and I do thoroughly recommend that you read the Bible, because the Bible is full of the wisdom of God. It is full of the things he teaches us, and it is vital to the Christian life. But reading the Bible, that will not make you wise alone. Uh, for the last three years, I have studied in academic institutions. Um, I've studied the Bible. I spent two years at Durham, and now I'm spending one year at Moorlands. Sorry, I spent three years at Moorlands. Um, I know people who know the Bible like the back of their hands. They have read it multiple times, many more times than I have. They have written many more essays on it than I have. They have listened to many more lectures than I have. And some of them now PhDs, that they teach on these topics. Are they all wise? No. Some of them are. But to be honest, there are people out there who I've seen who have spent their whole life studying the Bible, but have less wisdom than somebody who picked it up for the first time yesterday. So my second point is this. True wisdom doesn't come from reading the Bible alone, but from a close relationship with God. We read in the Bible, that, uh, over, uh, over and over again we read, that wisdom comes from God. 
um, that our hearts are meant to be uh, close to him, that when we have him at the centre of our hearts, it allows us to grow and live our lives based on him. It tells us in, uh, in this passage to trust in the Lord with all your heart. It tells us to not lean on your own understanding, but to listen carefully to him. There are many people out there who have studied, who have memorised, who have dissected God's word, but they've never listened to it. They've never taken God's words, put God's words in their heart, and truly, utterly listened. This passage does not say, make sure you keep my commandments. Instead it says, let your heart keep my commandments. It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, but tells us to bind them around our neck, to write them on the tablet of our heart. We are to take the teaching of God and not just leave it here, but place it here, place it at the core of what it means to be a human. We are to trust the Lord with all our hearts. Wisdom is not just a bunch of rules, it is not just guidelines, but it is something living that happens in your heart when you have a growing, trusting relationship with God. And from there it flows outward. We, we, we see that partially here when it starts to talk about money, but we also see that in the rest of the book as well as it starts to apply this to all different areas of our lives. So true wisdom lives in your heart, nurtured by a relationship with God, and it goes on to change every aspect of your life. You know, this is actually core to what it is, uh, what it means to be a Christian. Uh, Christianity isn't just about the stuff that we do, it isn't about the stuff that happens on the outside, and it's not just about the stuff that happens on the inside, either. Um, in Christianity, we are meant to live out what is going on in our hearts. When we become a Christian, and we get a new heart, we get an inward change, but a change that is not meant to just stay inward, but is meant to flow out and change everything. Uh, we have a heart changed by knowing God, and this should change our lives as well. This is a theme that runs throughout the whole Bible. Uh, having faith in Jesus Christ, uh, believing that he died for you, believing that he is God, that is what it means to be a Christian. But if that faith is genuine, then it doesn't just stay inside of you. It starts to leak out. It starts to overflow. And it starts to change your life. The same is true of wisdom. If, um, if we have wisdom in our hearts, if we have God in our hearts, then wisdom will start to flow out. It will start to change everything. And that is where wise living comes from. So we have established two things today. Firstly, we have established that wisdom is meant to change our whole lives. It shouldn't be limited to a Sunday. But secondly, that wisdom is meant to come from in here, from, the, from a heart relationship with God, from fearing God, from trusting the Lord, from listening to him in our hearts. It is meant to flow outward and change, change our worlds. But there is one final thing we need to talk about. 
It is a consequence of those two things. You are not going to live a life filled with wisdom unless your heart is in a good place with God. So how is your heart doing this morning? Over the last few years, uh, I have noticed a pattern that uh, a lot of uh, Christian leaders fall into. I've seen a lot of uh, people doing it out there. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but honestly, I think that this is an almost universal trend. And the majority of Christian leaders out there are going down this path. It is something you see unfolding again and again. What happens is Christian leaders become leaders because they are enthusiastic about telling people about God. They have a close relationship with God. They have a wonderful relationship with God. And they want to share that with everyone. They want to tell people who don't know about God about him. And they want to remind people who have forgotten just how wonderful God truly is. And you know what? This is admirable. It's because of leaders like that that our churches keep burning with passion. They bring energy and vibrancy to the Christian life. Some of these leaders have success. They are met with growing churches and they are met with growing name recognition. Some are not so successful, but they plough on regardless, um, giving glory to God alone. They use their gifts to bless. Um, They use their gifts how they were meant to do, whether that is to large congregations or to small. And they serve God. When they meet success, that means things are working well and they throw themselves into their work, working harder and harder. When they meet failure, well that just means they need to work harder to make up for it. So they do. They work harder and harder, they get busier and busier and they devote their lives to serving God. They come up with new ideas, new ministries, they revamp the Sunday school, they start a new outreach opportunity, they launch a new evening service and they start to work their socks off. They have vision meeting after vision meeting after vision meeting. They churn out those church sermons and they weep with those who weep, they celebrate with those who celebrate. They are good Christian leaders. Some of them end up leading mega churches, some of them end up leading tiny churches. But it doesn't matter, because they are doing it all for the glory of God. Then they burn out. They do something stupid, something foolish. They have an affair. They start filling with the church finances. They get angry. They get cranky. Maybe they turn to a bit of a bully. Maybe they don't do any of that stuff. Maybe they just start to crumble a bit under all the pressure. They don't do anything morally wrong, but they just feel the pressure of everything piling on them. What happened to them? What happened to that wisdom that they had at the beginning? Why are they now just another fallen pastor, or another stressed out pastor, another burnt out leader? Where is their wisdom now? Well, the truth is, um, there's something been wrong, wrong for a long time. They had energy for God, they spent that energy for God, and now they're feeling hollow. Their enthusiasm, uh, the thing that used to drive them forward, 
that's been replaced by performance pressure, by performance anxiety, and the well inside has gone dry. The wise living is gone, and it was completely and utterly predictable. Because they have been neglecting their hearts. Their hearts have gone to the bottom of the agenda. The busyness has pushed them out. There was just more important things to do. Uh, the passionate relationship they once had with God, where they felt like the Spirit of God coursed through their veins, that has been replaced with a to-do list. It has been replaced with busyness. But you see, if wisdom is rooted in God, then a neglected heart, a neglected relationship with God, can only have it have bad results. Their wise living is gone because the foundation behind it all, their relationship with God, their heart that was rooted in him, that has been ripped out, that has been eroded by other stuff. But you see, it's not just Christian leaders who experience this. Christian leaders are just most visible when this happens. Um, we see their mistakes more easier, more easily. Most Christians, I think, experience this in some way. Most Christians go through a period of their lives where they feel hollow. They've, uh, they've ploughed through their lives. We have ploughed through our lives. We have lived godly lives, we have tried to do the right thing, we have tried to be honest, we have tried not to lust after people we shouldn't lust after. We have tried to be nice, we have tried to give money to people who need our money, to be charitable to those who need us to be charitable to them. And we have spent time looking after our family, we have spent time working hard at work, making sure we walk the dog twice a day. We have tried to make sure our faith impacts our lives. We have tried to be a good witness at work, a good friend to those who need it. We have tried to work every moment of every day, trying to be the person that God wants us to be. But you know what? Our hearts are not warm. They are cold. We feel hollow. Our relationship with God is now distant, and to be honest, we sometimes wish we could pack the whole thing in. Our hearts just aren't in it anymore. Do you want to live a wise life? Do you want to live a life where God's wisdom is evident in what you do? Do you want to live a transformed life? A life that brings glory to him? Look to your heart. Pay attention. Is there a place where God truly dwells? Are you spending time with him? Are you listening to him? Are you growing in your relationship with him? Are you having fun with him? Or is all of life crowding that out? If you can only remember one thing from today, remember this. The way you live your life is bound up with the condition of your heart. If your heart is entwined with the God you love, then that love will overflow into your life. If your heart is entwined with our God, the God of justice, then that justice will overflow into your life. If your heart is entwined with our God, the God of wisdom, then that wisdom will overflow into your life.
if there's anything getting in the way of your relationship with God, that's really serious. Even if, even if you're doing too much for church right now, uh, and that's getting in the way of you being with God, it's actually distracting you, maybe you need to do a bit less. Or if you're doing something admirable, if, you, if you're spending your life hurtling around the countryside, giving your kids every opportunity at every club uh, there is, uh, and trying to give them as much as you can, but you are not giving them the opportunity and time to get to know God, and you are not giving yourself the opportunity and time to get to know God, then you need to reassess what you are doing. If there is anything getting in the way, if it is busyness, if it is a relationship, if it is a habit that you need to stop, if there's anything stopping you nurture your relationship with God, then let it go. That thing is not as important as following God. I'm not saying that you need to make sure you, you set aside exactly 30 minutes every day to read the Bible and pray. That will be pretty good. I would recommend it personally, but it's not the message, right? It's not the message of today. Maybe you just need to turn off the radio on the way to work. Maybe you just need to tell him how you are feeling right now when you are on that journey to work and having a radio turned off allows you time to do it. Maybe you need to just have a good cry, lying in his arms and letting God comfort you. I don't know what you need right now, but I reckon you probably do know. And if you want to live a wise life, you need to make sure your heart is close to him. Spend time talking with him in prayer. Spend time listening to him through the Bible. Spend time reflecting on how he is wanting you to act right now. Make sure your heart is firmly in the right place. Firmly with God. Then go out and transform the world.